The Internet of Food and Farm 2020 project aims to further the uptake of digital technology in the European agri-food sector. Ultimately, this will lay it to a more sustainable way of producing food. Today, we will talk about the role of farmers in combating climate change. We will discuss this topic with Ms. Maya Walsh, who is a member of the European Parliament and has voiced her support for more sustainable farming. Uh, welcome, Ms. Walsh. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm calling you uh, and we're connecting via uh, online in the space of COVID, but it's great to have resources like you you guys have been creating um, for, for people to still keep learning uh, about very important topics like this. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining again. Uh, yeah, so we do it in a safe and socially distanced way, this uh, little discussion of ours. Uh, but yeah, to come back to you, especially you come from a family of farmers, right? Uh, how does your personal experience influence your work as an MEP? And what does smart farming or sustainable farming means to you? Yeah, a couple of, a couple of great questions there. Um and uh, I'm a chatter, so get ready to, 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 the, to the back and forth of it. But yes, I grew up on a, a small farm. So I was, I was born in Boston, Massachusetts on the East Coast of America. And then uh, I was born to Irish parents who always uh, pictured and wanted their children to grow up in uh, rural Ireland like they did. Um, and for me, when I was seven, my parents uh, shipped us and moved us uh, home. Uh, to a small little village called Shrewel, which is on the border between Mayo and Galway. So again, um, a, a predominantly farming community. Um, we have bigger cities kind of left and right of us, but it is it is what a quintessential Irish uh, village that you could only uh, yeah that 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 many now due to due to TV have have a more experience of seeing and 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 believing. But uh, in terms of your question, yes, my you know my dad bought a farm. Uh, he's what we call a part-time farmer, um, as well as he came from a family of farmers. You know, a lot of his brothers would would be heavily involved in farming in a full-time capacity. And then on my mother's side, uh, back in Connemara, which is a little bit different type of land, uh, she came from farmers too. But I guess it from a young age, it sparked my interest into, um, you know, caring for and being immersed in our culture of land and the protection of it. Um, from a very young age, I was, uh, you know, rare in sheep. I had a, a pet lamb. I had a couple of ducks when I was allowed to. And at any time and any chance I could take to go to the mart and be around more farming conversation, I did that. And back in the day, on a on a on a funny way, my my dad refused to get a sheepdog. So having four children, we we ran we ran the land when an animal broke out. So. Uh, I'm only setting that scene for listeners so that they can really appreciate. I I, I was fit back in those days because we had no choice. Um, but I guess from from that side, you know, I saw the impact land could have. I saw, you know, the connection uh, from a young age with what we're breeding and growing on our land to what we're eating uh, and and drinking at our table. I also saw the disconnect, the fact that as a young female, as a young girl going to the mart, there might have been one or two other females. 
and, and, and I saw that image and I was always struck by that. Um, that why aren't we seeing more people that look like me or look like them at the mart um, uh, immersed in this this farming sector? Uh, and as I grew up, it certainly um, and, and in prep of and over the course of the European Parliament campaign in 2019, you you have to read your audience. You have to you have to know the issues that are facing them. And 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 because as I said, I'm in, from a farming area. Um, it's really important uh, that I continue to push regional balance uh, under the Common Agriculture Policy. Uh, when we joined as a country uh, in 1973, there was there and it still is, unfortunately, huge discrepancies over payment to farmers and what type of farm you have. But then what is really positive now is the fact that the green conversation is coming in. And to your second question in terms of smart farming or or sustainable farming, that means to me is how how do we use this time now to educate farmers who protect the land and they've been doing so for generations. They're custodians of the land. But how do we get a little bit smarter at, at making sure we're talking about and educating ourselves on what's below the grass as well as what's above it? So we often get lost in the, well, this animal made me this at, at the butcher or, or when I went to the mart or, you know, this animal put on this amount of weight and that's great. But actually the sustainable cycle is if we preserve and protect what's below the grass, then we're going to have healthier animals. Uh, if we educate more on what antibiotics look like and not to when you have a bottle uh, of of a medicine that might go out of date, well, the animal might be shown pneumonia. So we'll give it this and hopefully it connects. That's not really smart farming. That's just getting day by day by. Um, and for me, in terms of your question, I'm really excited because I'm I'm currently doing a farm management course called the Green Cert. Uh, and that is really teaching me the fundamentals of sustainable farming, smart farming, looking at the impact of fertilizers and animal content and welfare, as well as health and safety, as well as mental health of, of a farmer, because that's what makes smart farming and sustainable farming. We have to look at holistically the person that's farming the land, as well as the animals and, and the grass and the soil that that's making that impact. Um, but there's huge discrepancies. But again, uh, of what a farmer might know and doesn't want to know. But my job as an MEP and as someone who's young and interested in farming for the longevity of it, um, then we need to make sure we're having smart, smarter conversations about how to keep everybody protected. Yeah, thank you very much for your, your answer. I think you're completely right. Smart farming has to be holistic. And this is also what we see um, so our project is also to propose new technology that are going to help not only um, to develop sustainable farming, but also to help the farmers in their task. I'm thinking when you mentioned like minerals and medicine, uh, we do have a couple of use cases such as the 2.6 use case on precision mineral supplementation that helps the farmer to more to monitor their cows and to just supplement when it's needed, which is good for the farmer for like the for his revenue, but also like for the land and how these minerals are going to impact the environment. So definitely an holistic approach is, is needed. Uh, you mentioned a very nice expression. I really like it, custodian of the land. And I think uh, whenever we say that, we also we usually think how much farmers are dependent on the weather, that they are dependent on the land, right? And climate change has already impacted uh, agriculture worldwide 
due to change of weather, change of the land. Um, several of our use cases focus on using precision farming, as already mentioned, to reduce the use of chemicals, to better manage natural resources. Um, Miss Walsh, how do you see your role, uh, the role of the European agri-food sector in relation to climate change? Oh, I mean, in terms of... Um in terms of the role it plays, I mean, it's it's pivotal. It's it's right at the epicenter of sustainability. And what's exciting about the impact the climate is making um, on the way we think about farming or or any sector, and people are probably listening, going, there is no positives coming out of the the the, the fact that the the climate is um, rolling back and that we as humans have have destroyed it for generations. Uh, and I'm understanding of that and, and I'm very active in trying to rectify that. But the positivities out of where we are now at the crossroads is policymakers, decision makers like our president, commissioner, Savannah Lyon, is now talking about this, not on a yearly budgetary scale, but on a daily press briefing. They're constantly being asked. One of her one of her first things coming out of being elected as the commissioner was that 100 days, that Green Deal policy. Now, that's really exciting because that has a ripple effect. So it has a ripple effect into other governments who don't believe or or foresee uh, our climate emergency and our biodiversity emergency being real. So that allows us to have, uh, as people who are passionate about preserving uh, our lands uh, and the custodians that, that that mind that, that that we are all in this now and moving moving forth. Where it gets interesting, though, is the us and them conversation. Uh, and we see it here in Ireland uh, quite frequently, you know, the small farmer, the big farmer, the dairy, the tillage, um, the, uh, the, the bureaucratic decisions made at big tables about, well, you need to do these five things. And if you do the sixth thing, you're not getting funding. Or if you don't label this a certain way, or it's farmers who are destroying our, our environments. When in actual fact, we have uh, a great opportunity to learn from each other, to move forth, and then to have a use of technology, as you said in, in the opening question, and, and just be smarter about preserving everything and all things to do with our agri-food sector. I often think of our former president of Ireland, our first female president, Mary Robinson, who is an amazing climate activist. And she was before it became the trendy thing to talk about. But one of her one of her last in-person discussions uh, here in the west coast of Ireland uh, in our home county of Mayo uh, before COVID happened, uh, you know, she gave a talk about the impact the environment's making, the impact it's making onto her dinner table. Um, and for me, she left me with a big nugget of why are we why are we moving beyond 100 miles of our homestead to find food? Why aren't we eating with the seasons? Why aren't we trying to preserve the lands and and buy local and shop local and keep green in order to better protect our environment as it overall? And that's just a personal decision, but it's a community decision. And then it's a sector decision. Just how can we become better consumers uh, and understand that you're seeing a sheep and a pig or or a, a cow or, or a piece of tillage in as you're driving by? But what impact is that making on your life? Well, it's, it's, it's instrumental, it's, it's ginormous. So then how do we preserve that? In terms of climate, I think there's a great space also to with the, the development question. So how are we looking at the and supporting and educating the likes of, uh, of Africa? And you hear that a lot in, uh, in um, the parliament. What frustrates me about that is, and I've traveled to Ghana and I've met with farmers, I've traveled to Tanzania and I met, I met with farmers female farmers that are getting into the fruit and vegetable trade 
But what's frustrating about that is we also have to look and clean up our own house before we start pointing fingers at other developments. Now, what what we can do, though, is make the conversation global versus just a silo thinking of, well, I'm doing I'm planting 10 acres of of uh, trees to offset my carbon uh, footprint uh, and the other farmers not doing it. But why can't we have a collective co-op approach um, in terms of agri-food in relation to protecting our climate? So there's a lot of great, great conversations to be had and, and still needing to be had within that. Um, but what's important and what I'm learning even through my green cert uh, is the fact that it's just it's just communication and as, as much forward planning as we can in the understanding mindset that our climate and biodiversity are at our all-time need of urgent care. And we are, uh, much to your point of picking up, the custodians of the land, whether you're farmer, farmer land or you're living in a, an apartment building. It's, it's the choices we make that will benefit and impact our climate as well as our agri-food sector. Again, I, I, I chat on, so I apologise. Uh, wave, wave to me and I'll stop talking. No, don't. It's it's a very complete answer. That's perfect. Uh, yeah, and I think especially when you mention Africa, uh, as you say, we need also to take care of our own garden. And I think we think so much as Europe as the forefront of smart farming and sustainable farming, and there is still so much to be done. And as you mentioned, there is also a conversation to be had with farmers, not only pointing the fingers at what could have been done better, but also understanding the... Um, the, the context in which they are evolving. I would like to add is, you know, I was in when I was in high school um, or secondary school, as we call it here in Ireland, you know, your your stereotypical image of what a farmer looked like was in your class. You know, they might farm before school or after school. Um, but that image needs to change in our brains because effectively you and I are, are farmers because we consume, we protect, we order, we buy. We might not have acres to, to farm ourselves, but when I was leaving Philadelphia after living there for a couple of years, co-op gardens in built up areas very similar to like the likes of Brussels were, were developing left, right and centre because of that co-op way of thinking of how do we buy and shop local, preserve and learn about what is sustainable and smart farming. And I think when we think of a farmer, we, we, we think of one or two different types of images when, when in actual fact that's not correct that if we learned from any age, I'm not always trying to put it on the young, but I have great hope for, for younger generations to, to really uh, be, be the change makers that, that we need now. But if we, if we start to fully look at and educate what's, on, what's in a bag that we buy, where does this apple come from? Where is this piece of meat coming from? How do we, how do we talk about it in a custodian perspective and not just have the us and them conversation? Yeah, no, that's very true. And I think definitely technology has a place for it when we are talking about traceability and how it's going to be more and more um, accessible to check where is your apple coming from, actually, like from a consumer perspective. But yeah, talking about farmers and how they look like, uh, that is a very nice introduction to my next question, which would be, um, you have recently expressed, I mean, recently, you have constantly expressed your support for more gender equality in the agricultural sector. Um, I mean, can you tell us why is also what, why is it so important to support gender equality in order to support a sustainable agriculture? Uh, a fantastic question. And I can go on about this for days, uh, but I'll try and keep it short. Um, you know, here in Ireland, and I can't speak on behalf of every other country, but here in Ireland, for generations, 
females have had and been a part of the farm setup, but they've never been given the kudos or the credit for that. So they might do the farming accounts, the farming books, they might move, you know, we live across the road from a dairy farm and people talk about the main farmer, Paddy Joe, uh, but actually, Bridie, his wife, is up every morning for the for the the milking as well as him. But we often only associate the image of farming with a man, and that desperately needs to change. And it has evolved in the last probably decade, much to your point of smart farming technology, lifting that stigma, changing the way classrooms are talked and 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 uh, and set up. So. You know, here in Ireland, we have ag, ag science or ag business in our high schools and secondary schools. And that's great because it plants a seed for, um, you know, sustainable food. Perhaps you want to get into nutrition or dietitian. Perhaps you want to get into farming or you want to do both. What also has really impacted in the last decade and more so in the last five years is the impact of social media. So I watch, I follow a lot of uh, on Instagram, a lot of great female farmers not only are they empowering but also i'm learning from them on a daily or weekly basis of their farms that they might be doing a four or five hundred sheep farm in in new zealand uh similar number in uh australia there's a great irish uh, well she's english by by birth but an irish farmer here called the calf girl uh, alice is her name and she is fundamentally changed the way we look at calf rearing and relief farming for a female um, and, and all of those uses help us just lift that stigma a little bit more. I mean, back to the point in, my, in, in, your, in your first question around why farming. Well, it struck me when at a, as a seven-year-old and again as a 33-year-old that I am now, even though with COVID I feel like 53-year-old, but uh, it, it struck me that what has really changed are the faces changing at the marts or at the decision-making table in terms of agri and sustainability? Not, not as much as they need to. We don't, even in politics, we don't have a, a gender balance. Um, what is exciting, though, is, is global leaders making big waves. And I know we're going to talk about the U.S. and their impact. But if you look at the likes of Biden, his appointment of, um, of, a, of a Native American into protecting the home, the homeland of the United States, female that's phenomenal because that again ripple effects to us but i'm going off on a, on a on a more lofty approach but we we basically and fundamentally need more women uh to be recognized because they're already doing the job and we need more women and diverse candidates to come into the sector to really evolve our our way of thinking um because if you don't have a 50 50 percent representation in in academics uh in the education sector in the industry sectors in the food climate then then we are consistently going to be imbalanced. Um, and that's not going to impact us in this generation, but sure and hell it's going to impact the future generations coming down the pipeline. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, we do think also uh, in the IOF 2020 project, we started with another European project, which is Smart AgriHub, to launch this gender task force, because also what we had to recognize was both of our projects are touching to women in agriculture and women in technology, women in tech. So we have an intersectionality of sectors where women are underrepresented and definitely a diversity of perspective will help to have more original, creative solutions. And we should not forget that, unfortunately or fortunately, 
still women in most households are making the food decision, right? It's going to be them that also lead the change to a greener household, and we want to have them recognized. Uh, or in the farm work, as you mentioned, and farm work is evolving. Farm work today is not the same as it was a century ago. And that's, I mean, that's really exciting because within probably a 20, 30 mile radius from where I'm sitting now, we have um, we have an organic farm, which which is run by uh, a couple. Um, we have a snail farm, which is run, I believe, by a couple too. We have a couple of uh, dairy farmers, too, that where women support. But then there's an awful lot more to farming than just your traditional dairy, sheep or tillage. Um, and and I remember over COVID, uh, really deep diving into this um, to try and learn how else we can design our farms to be more climate friendly, to be more sustainable. And there was one female um, up in the east coast of Ireland who planted uh, sunflowers in order to support her offset of carbon uh, for the animals that she had. And then she opened up that 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 field of sunflowers to community members. Um, so people could pick whatever sunflowers they want. And then the donation, uh, uh, if they desired to, went to um, a local charity. Like that type of farming, again, back to the question of um, preservation, is the holistic form of farming. You know, if we look at the way, uh, how can we, we've stonewalls here in Ireland, but what can we do with the, the dead land that's just a foot or two either side of that wall to preserve and look at a different type of farming that we're encouraging more biodiversity, um, that we're preserving our bees and our, 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 our flowers and our uh, butterflies that are becoming more and more extinct on a daily basis. Like those type of farm decisions are small, but it's predominantly women that are making those decisions. So much to your point is if we don't have, um, it's not just in the kitchen that a female needs to, that can, is empowering decision-making. We need to make sure that they're receiving the, the, the best form of support they can. And then within that, I was quite vocal on, uh, and very forceful on our new common agricultural policy and trying to get money ring-fenced predominantly for young people, as well as women in farming. Because if we don't, budget uh, and cut out a piece of the funding for women advancement, then we're going to be having the same conversation in seven years time when a new cap comes out. And that's that's where history needs to stop repeating itself. That's very true. We should definitely, this is all about like acknowledging the issue and then we can move forward. You were mentioning about uh, the new president-elect uh, Joe Biden, and we are going to. I'm going to have to ask you. You're currently a member of the delegation for relation with the United States. Um, at the moment, the United States isn't known for their effort to combat climate change. We do hope that it's going to change with the new administration. Um, how do you see the relationship between uh, the EU and the US with regards to this topic? Yeah, well, I, I won't. I'm trying to keep positive in this chat, so I'll, I'll keep persevering for the, the, the future versus the past. But uh, the current president, who only has a few days left, really damaged as a U.S. born woman, as someone, as you said, sits on the U.S. delegation and someone who's now uh, in politics uh, and sees the impact decisions making uh, or the impact decisions have and the ripple effects it creates. I mean, the United States stepping back from the Paris Accord was huge absolutely instrumental and damaging we're very we're very fortunate that the new administration under uh, Biden and Harris 
well, one of their first priorities is to uh, to join the Paris Agreement once again. From what I hear and what I'm learning in the U.S. delegation and some um, sources I have in in D.C., we're we're going to see Biden and Harris really look at climate as their foreign policy. Uh, someone like Samantha Power, former ambassador in her new role as USAID uh, lead, is another push that foreign development, um, climate preservation, how do we work together on a global scale uh, is is another great encouragement. But um, the relationship, I really do believe, between the US and Europe will be climate-led, which is exciting because uh, that means not only the EU, but US is look, listening to their younger voter, uh, listening to activists, listening to the science uh, that comes with all these uh, emergencies and urgencies and collectively we're not just thinking in a silo mindset you know the eu worries about the eu and us worries about us we're actually uh, thinking as a global citizen which is which you know the decisions we make here in europe is going to impact the us and vice versa so if we're all sitting around the decision making table then we have a cleaner safer and more sustainable uh future ahead for generations i'm excited you can you can you can tell I'm a Biden fan, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think um, the few years under the pres- uh, the president administration of President Trump were quite eventful, especially regarding to um, import of agricultural product. Uh, as you can hear to my accent, I'm French, and we had uh, several discussions about this. But I'm also thinking uh, across the board, um, we do have a use case uh, that is related to soya protein management, for example, a use case 1.3. And one of the main import of the EU is also soya from the US. Um, so there is going to be an ongoing discussion about how are we going to continue commercial exchange, import, export of agricultural product? And how are we going to act as both blocks uh, on an international scale about climate change? Uh, that's definitely a very big topic for the upcoming years. Yeah. And then the third country that is the United Kingdom uh, and what play they're, what play they're going to make as as traders uh, and consumers, too. Uh, you know, not it's not just you know, China that we need to be only talking about or Africa or um, we also need to be looking at um, the UK and their decisions. Um, yeah, global citizenship. I, I, I talk quite lofty about these uh, ideas of global citizenship, global citizenship, I should say, I know. But um, if you don't have something to aim to, then all the decisions will 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 be just made on the black and white sheet of a paper. And that's not how we're going to preserve and protect future generations. Um, yeah, but in one sense, the positivity uh, in this chat, uh, among others, is the fact that we have now um, uh, a friend and an ally in uh, in the United States who understands and believes uh, in the impact COVID's having as well as the impact that the, the climate is having. Um, and if you have someone with that mindset, then um, then it makes the conversations of development a lot more easier. Yeah, no, that's very true. Uh, yeah, so we are arriving to the end of our discussion with not such an easy last question. So last but not least, what do you wish to achieve for the European agri-food sector in the coming years? Oh my God, this is, this question could be just one, one whole question on its own, like all your other questions. Um, for me, uh, what I wish to achieve for the European agri-food sector in the coming years um, 
much like all my questions that we we upskill and we support the development and education around smart farming around technology and the impact that it's not uh, we don't want our farms well certainly I don't want our farms uh, male or female to think that it's the robots are coming in and AI is going to come in and, and, and strip from preserving our land that's not the case at all it's just how can we work together and a lot of that comes down to conversation and re removing the stigma um, and offering the opportunities that smart farming and technology has to our, our farmers. Um, another thing is looking at the holistic farm, um, you know, learning more about what's below the soil as well as what's above it. And then looking at a smart plan that is, uh, uh, I don't think one size fits all because farm, farms are very different. I know in my, my neck of the woods for sure, but how do we actually you know calendar out and not just red tape when a farmer a farmer knows what's going on in the farm but then how do we give them enough supports in order them for them to achieve it and sometimes that is financial but other times it's other resources um like conversation like teaching like uh walking the farm there's a great program called the burn life in county clare that about 10,000 farmers are involved in and it's all around sustainability. And every year they get a sheet, it's very simple. Um, and uh, uh, an advisor walks the farm and says, you know, out of 10, how did you do in terms of preserving biodiversity and protecting your land? And with that, they get an extra piece of funding because they're doing what they needed to do. I'd love to see that rolled out in more farms and not just to the small uh, uh, uh area of the burn in County Clare. I think that would be really, really good. And then finally, in terms of agri-food sector, you know, I, I I would really like to see the mental health of, of a farmer and the sector as a whole increase. Um, because without a, a healthy farmer, be it male or female, um, making decisions, feeling the impact and the stresses of decisions being made at that top tier table, then we're going to have less farmers uh, and we're going to have more issues in terms of preserving our, our lands then. Um, and that's just a couple of things. Yeah. Now we are coming back once again to what you mentioned, like a holistic approach, as we are expecting a lot from farmers as custodian of the lands. Uh, our project is to propose new technologies, but we are very dependent on the opinions of farmers because they are the end users of these technologies. And if the technologies developed in the use case are not useful to the farmers, then they have no no goal. They have no points. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think a lot would just read, you know, a newspaper or look at the news um, and hear like, you know, uh, an animal is going for this price and they only see the price uh, because they need to, because that's what's keeping food on their own table and, and, and their family supported. Where in actual fact, if we could reverse that and work with them to say, you get the best price by preserving and protecting one, two and three, but let's prioritize one and two uh, versus just looking at the end goal, you know, um, because like, like you say, like farmers are doing a phenomenal job. They're doing it under pressure. They're supplying, even in the midst of a COVID pandemic worldwide, they're supplying us that we have food on the table. Um, but at some point, they're going to get stretched too far. Uh, and if we keep pushing our land, as well as the farm that the farmer that farms it, um, we're going to be quickly depleted. Uh, and that's a place nobody wants to be. Yeah. Thank you very much for this very complete feedback. To end on a positive note again, we are still looking forward to having better regulation to have more technologies and to really have the community as a whole coming as a support to the agricultural sector because we are we are the food that we eat but we're also yeah we are representative of the land and of the food that 
that we want to produce. Um, thank you so much. Just, yeah. just a yeah. shout out because I know from your website, iof2020.eu, I know you're doing a good call out for brand ambassadors and people to talk and learn about what you guys are doing. So it would be amiss of me uh, as someone who's interested in all the work that you're doing and other people that might be just interested in learning more. Uh, do check out your website, iof2020.eu. I hope I got that right. Uh, but I'll send, a, I'll send a post too. Um, and just I think the more we get to uh you know learn and communicate uh, and listen uh the better preservation we're going to have in the long run thank you so much for joining us today miss walsh uh, to conclude we are iof 2020 we are the internet of food and farm and the project will end on the 31st of march uh, with the last event on the 16th to 18th of March, which would be a virtual conference. And yeah, so don't hesitate to visit our website. It was already mentioned and to follow this podcast. Thank you very much for listening.